Welcome back, film fans, to another exciting episode of Not A Bomb. I am one of your hosts, Troy, and across the aisle, as always, is Mr. Brad Anderson. Brad, how are you doing this evening? Doing fantastic. What up, Bomb Squad? Yes. Yay! We're officially That's... going with that now, right? Yes. Yes. Bomb it is, Squad. It went, through, it went through marketing. It got approved. Sweet. People smarter than I say we should go with that. I like it. Um, I am excited. So this, this week is an even episode, which means that I get to pick the film. And Number I, eight? Eight? Yeah, and, eight. I, and I, I did uh, a pick of a film that is always showing up on these lists that if you go Google, hey, what movies should not be a bomb, but they bombed, this one comes up. It's one that I've owned for many years. It sat on the to-watch pile, never seen it, and uh, decided it's time to, to, to talk about this one. It's 2011 um, Warrior, right, with Tom Hardy, Joel Edgerton. But Brad, I mean, th- this by definition is a sports film, right? Did we decide that? Is that is correct. It's a sports movie. Yes, and um, it is a great, great reason to bring probably one of our favorite people on the show. Um, he actually was sort of the co-creator of the original movie matchup. So for those who have listened to that podcast before, you are in for a huge treat because we have brought back none other. Then, Some might say a tall tree. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, <laughs> Charlie, tall Charlie, how are you doing, man? Welcome back. Oh, thank you, gentlemen. I'm glad to be back. I didn't know I was sort of the co-creator. That's that's that, <laughs> that's news to me. But you know, I'm just wow. glad to pick nits. That's my job here. Oh um, man, did I, I miss that ex- ego? Exhilarated, <laughs> <laughs> uh, exhilarated to be. Uh, we wait, we waited ten years to get you back on, and <laughs> I, I two minutes in, no and you got to be a waste no time. You know, yes, I, I, for for full historical accuracy, um, Charlie, myself, Brad. Uh, now Charlie and Brad go back way more than uh, I've ever known them. And uh, you guys used to have a pod, like you ran a podcast for a while, right before Movie Matchup. What, yeah. what was that one called? Uh, movie Fan House, which started in 08, Charlie. 08 or you 09. And I, I, I can't remember. You and I met in the summer of 08 yep. when we started working at the bank together. Mm-hmm. So we've been going on 12 years as friends. Oh. <laughs> I like that movie, 12 Years as Friends. <laughs> oh, God. Um, That's a sequel. A little bit different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, we've known each other for a long time. Uh, Ch- Charlie is the one who brought Troy into my life, so, you know. Yeah, and Charlie and I met at a uh, a film convention, a, a specific horror film convention. What are those? I don't yes, know what yeah. those are. Not anymore. <laughs> um, and, and Charlie, um, after, you know, lots of talk, um, had this idea of let's, let's take movies and put them up against each other. Um, so, Charlie... Created. Kind of like, you like that kind of like an MMA style. Yes, an MMA style um, movie matchup. Almost, yeah. Yeah, um, and you can hear. Now we've been going back on the website and posting some of the older episodes of um, the spinoff, which was the Pretension. Um, but Charlie, do you remember the first movie that we actually discussed? I did the logo art for it, so I should know. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember. Off the top, I want to guess that it was uh, Captain America and Rocketeer. No. I, I believe, if memory serves me correctly, it would have been Fast and the Furious and Cars 3 or something like that. <laughs> Cars 2, I don't remember. What? Yes. <laughs> if, 
Uh, I'll go back and double check I that. Need to look, um, yeah, yeah I don't know but if they have uh, the artwork. I'll, I'll have to dig through my files, but that was a failure to launch right there. <laughs> Boy, 2011 was really weird. Yeah. Yes. Um, but listen, for so what we try to do is for the people that come on the show, um, and you know, let's be honest, Charlie, anybody who runs in uh, our circle knows you, loves you. I mean, you're one of the greatest guys ever. Um, but for anybody who's just uh, has not had a chance to listen to the old movie matchup episodes and when to get to know you a little bit better. Um, we usually do some questions for the guests, right? So think of this as just level setting, um, everybody kind of getting to, to know your taste a little bit. And we have five questions that we picked out and designed specifically for you. So Charlie, the great one, tall Charlie, are you ready for these questions? Not at all. Okay, great. I'm ready to get into it. So I'm going to ask the first one. Okay. <laughs> What is your favorite sports film from your least favorite sport? Oh, gosh. Oh, God. So first I got to think about what my least favorite sport is, which is that might end up being hockey. I'm thinking soccer off the top. I hate oh. to say it. Oh, okay. Mm. Soccer. <sighs> That's going to go well with anybody listening internationally. But that's the thing. I don't hate soccer. It's just like the right. one I just don't. It's your least you know, favorite, en- right? Engage with the most or anything like that. Um, do you have Do you have a favorite soccer film? <laughs> uh, that's I, you know I'm gonna uh, off the top of my Ladybugs. Head, the best thing I can think of is uh, maybe the Big Green. Um, oh, you know, it's, okay. It's, it does not hold up. If anyone's wondering, uh, we watched that uh, at a drunken party a few years ago. Um, and it didn't, it didn't go great. Uh, it's really boring. It's not that it's not okay. very good. Um, and I never saw anything like bend it like Beckham or anything of those. Na- uh, 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 again, it's my least favorite sport. So not, uh, what, what was the one victory with Sylvester Stallone and Pele? I mean, that, that was no playing change, soccer. I got and... a good one. My, my least favorite Invictus. is soccer. <laughs> my favorite movie from that genre is green street hooligans. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. see, no Char- that Charlie man, right out of the gate, you knock one out of the the ballpark on the yeah. first question. That's fantastic. No question. Okay, well, I get the second one now. If you if you listen to the last episode, um, the Dame United would have been a good one too, but you know we'll take Green Street. It's fine. No, 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 that's a good Invic- pick. That's a good Invictus pick. This was it. rugby, right, Brad? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I've seen yeah. it and I still don't remember. <laughs> I was just gonna say I that was one of my yeah. So okay, okay. Second question now. I, I, before I tell you about the second question, I don't know if you listened, uh, Charlie, to the episode of The Hunted, but um, we, we kind of prefaced to everybody that one of the things that we were super excited about was hearing a particular impression from an actor. And um, we've heard you do it before, and it's absolutely fantastic. But before we even get to any impressions, um, Charlie, I got to know, what is your favorite Nick Nolte film? Ooh, that's tough. Oh, gosh thinking about his filmography off the top I'm I don't want to say what I want to say to give away my opinions for the rest of this episode well you kind of already did people can put two and two together I will go with Cape Fear oh okay that's good I like it it's not really a Nolte per se I mean it is but it's really I mean you think of Cape Fear you think of De Niro but I, I just, you know, that's a one that inherently kind of just sticks with me. I think that he looks, he is somehow out crazied in a movie, and that's fun. 
That's a good point. I never thought of it that way. I, I love I mean, I love the original and I actually really appreciate the the remake. So that's a great pick. So, Brad, kicking it over to you. What what's the next question? All right, Charlie. If Hollywood made a movie about your life, who would you like to see the play the lead role as you? Now, are we doing this like about a boy style where like we go back in time and they can like play me through the years or is this like, like... Boy, you mean boyhood? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> boyhood. Yeah. Sorry. I want to see no, Charlie through great. 20. Yeah. Right, no, sorry. Yeah. About a boy. boy. I want to see Charlie um, through the years. Um, I am going to go with Jason Siegel. Ooh, oh, that's actually yes. really good. Man, that is spot on, man. Yeah. He's not quite as tall, but he's a tall guy and, you know, he played basketball and, you know, he's, he's got the goofiness, um, uh, and I have to. Wow, you on, are Jason Siegel. Yeah, you, you well, are. I have to spot lean on, on my man. wife for that because she's got. She's always said that she had the biggest crush on Jason Siegel because he reminded her of me. So you know, that's that's where I, I inherently jump out at. So can I can I ask the follow up to that question? Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. So go ahead. side question to this one: um, Given Danny DeVito isn't as tall as you, do you think he could still pull off portraying Charlie in a film role? Uh, can he do a Muppet Man, like where he's in a coat, a large coat standing on someone's shoulders? <laughs> Two Danny DeVitos standing on top of each can other? Can he be a station, uh, a la Bill and Ted, and just merge into one giant Danny DeVito? I, but, you know, I, I'm sure with the magic of Hollywood effects, it could happen. <laughs> yeah, he would just, every word he said would be DeVito. But, I mean, uh, you know, Danny doesn't exactly have my uh, charm, I don't think. Um, he does say Charlie a lot because you know in, in Always Sunny it's fair, it's fair. he lives with yeah. Charlie I, yeah, do I true. say my name a lot do I talk about myself in the third person Is that a <laughs> I don't know why I even said that <laughs> alright next question Brad alright Charlie who's your favorite wrestler and why wow That's, I really want to answer this one too I, I like I have like six that jump to mind you got to pick the. There can only be one favorite, right? Can't have two number ones. Listen, that's there's 11. only one that. There's only one. There can only be one to pet after, and that's Diamond Dallas Page. Why? Why? Why him? You know, I I, I don't really have a good answer. Um, I loved DDP growing up. Uh, oh no, no, I do. I actually. You love the Diamond Cutter. I uh, the Diamond Cutter was great. He was awesome, and then it was elevated by the fact that he ended up doing a tag team match with Cara Malone against Dennis Rodman and Hulk Hogan. And in the 90s, Carl Malone was my favorite basketball player. So there's a multitude of factors involved there. Um, Kevin Nash is a close second. Um, the, and then, the, you know, the, nor- the standard answers are, are right behind that. You know, you've got your... The, the only time I think I've ever seen you starstruck is when we met DDP. Yeah, exactly. You were kind of a little bit reserved. It was... I couldn't talk to him. I couldn't yeah, it was him. weird. Yeah. Um, and that is so amazing to me because... Um, Charlie historically put him in a room full of strangers and uh, give it about an hour and Charlie knows everybody. So to, for him to be starstruck and, and not that personable, um, that that's impressive, man. Well, and fun fact, it used, the answer used to possibly be Kane until uh, we actually went to a convention that he was at and I was taller than him. And that oh, that's deeply right. upset me. Oh, man. He, they sold him as a seven-footer for the longest time and... That gentleman is not seven foot tall. <laughs> I'm sorry, Charlie. I, I, it, it I think me. I think I do it, remember that. Yeah, it was it was a it was a it was a painful moment. You know, 
Sometimes reality slaps you in the I face. believe you're taller than like Kane Hodder and all those guys oh, too, God. Oh, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, got a, I got a half a foot on Kane Hodder. Six, <laughs> the answer is six foot nine for anyone wondering. Six okay. foot nine. So. Okay. Fantastic. So yeah. bring, bring it home, Brad. We got one more question. All right, Charlie. What is your favorite movie bomb that you would recommend to everyone? Uh, movie bomb. Don't. Can I say the one I sent to you, gentlemen? Is that, is that, is that on the table? Because it's not really as yeah, much of a bomb as I thought it was. I um, want to have an open forum about that movie, too, because I want Shore to agree that we can do it on the show. So please okay. say that one. So I will say Stardust. Uh, it's an absolute favorite of mine. Uh, I love the movie. I didn't come around to it until long after um, it was out of theaters. Um, I don't even recall the reason why I actually saw it. I think I may have just you know, put it on on a whim. And uh, is that 07? Gosh, I don't even remember. I mean, it is ancient. It's I mean, <laughs> ancient. Claire Danes is in it as a, as a lead. So I mean, Claire Danes in a in a movie as a lead is a long time ago. Um, and and, and uh, we can talk about the the controversy that blew up uh, a couple of days ago in text because this movie got brought up, and um. I think I was the one that threw the flag on the field because internationally, if you look at the box office, you want to do the numbers. You're the numbers guy, Brad. So. Oh gosh, now you're making me do it. You're right, because international receipts bring home the exact same amount of cash as domestic. You know those. You know. Yeah, I mean, there's a different tax on stuff like that, Troy. Yeah. It's just a mess. <laughs> it's a one-to-one scenario, completely. You're right, exactly. Well, uh, in 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 this particular instance, the budget. Um, 65 and made 137. Yeah, let's go to the so, studio. Let's call the studio up, see what they think. <laughs> they think more than likely, they wrote they wrote it off. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those that the general rule of thumb, if you make back, what was it, twice what your budget is, it breaks <laughs> even or because of what they spend in marketing. But um, what did it make uh, in the U.S.? Because it, it like did 65? not make even... I don't think it made its budget back in the U.S., though. Oh, no, it did not. No, not even close. It did not. No. Yeah. So well, I, I, I think no. we can go ahead and, and add that to the list because um, while overseas, uh, it, it did very well. I mean, from the U.S., nobody caught on to it. Like, no. and, and it's one of those that, uh, honestly, I, I've seen it. I love it, too. But I, I found it years after it came out. Um, I, I break it out a lot because I feel like it's very accessible to a wide range of people. And, a no, and very few people have seen it. So, like, you can watch it with kids. <laughs> You know, for the most part, and it's still kind of like, you know, it's got some edge to it. You know, there's some blood, there's some violence. Um, it's got a great script. It's funny. Uh, it's it's engaging. That's Matthew Vaughn, right? It's Matthew Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I still I still call it a modern day Princess Bride. I know it's not as good, but I feel like I grew up with Princess Bride. That was you know, absolute you know, go-to for me uh, in my formative years. And, and I, I got the same kind of energy and, and rush and, and magic from Stardust that I always felt like uh, came out with that uh, classic. And I think one of the principles of this podcast was to try to bring attention to things that kind of got missed. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that, you know, here we are 13 years later and, I don't know the last time anyone spoke of Stardust. <laughs> so Claire, Claire Danes is probably uh, ears are burning right now. So, um, yeah. No, we're, I, we're, we're definitely going to do that. I mean, yeah. any excuse to have you back on, Charlie, and just chat, you know, for a little bit about any movie I'm all up for. So um, we are definitely doing that one. Um, are, are you guys ready to get into my pick for this week? 
Warrior from 2011. Fire. Okay, so um, just a little background. So th- this movie, uh, Brad, you you've had a little bit of boxing martial arts experience, correct? Yes, uh, more so boxing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Many here. years actually. Yep, and Charlie, I know you have too. So all three of us have had some. Uh, we've dipped our toes in it to some degree. I did kickbox for a little bit. Um, I've gotten I, my ass kicked a lot of times. Yes. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was one of those things where um, I did Chinese boxing, judo, um, kendo, uh, china. I, I, I tried everything. Um, got got really good in judo and Chinese boxing, and and did boxing, traditional boxing. Um, I. <laughs> I remember the the one time I did a uh, tournament, and it was um, in Henderson, Kentucky. So at the time where I was living in Evansville, Indiana. So uh, that town is just five minutes, and you're in Kentucky. So I, I had a pretty good record, and I decided, oh, man, I'm going to go fight outside my weight class. <laughs> oh, my God. I got hit so hard. It I Yeah, getting punched in the face is not fun. Yes. It's not uh, fun. I remember getting kicked and just kind of sliding back. Um, and at that time, I was also starting my job. And when I would come in uh, from this stuff on a Monday and, and just have black eyes, broken fingers. And when you were else. teaching physics to everyone, you know, <laughs> you came in. Yeah, and they uh, and, and they basically said, hey, look, you, you if you're going to continue working here, you, you can't do that. Um, and, and I can say that I, uh, there, there was a local circuit, um, that did MMA bouts, uh, when UFC was kind of getting off the ground it was called hook and shoot. Um, and I trained with some of those fighters. Um, but I also did filming, uh, for the matches cause I wouldn't compete. And I can tell you right now, the first time that I ever drained somebody's ear, um, oh because, you know, they just got pummeled and, and, you, and in order to avoid, you know, severe cauliflower ear, you have to get the liquid out there as soon as possible. So at that point, it was like, you know what, I, I really don't want to do this. But uh, MMA, martial arts in general, um, that that's 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 what I love. I love Hong Kong action films. This one always eluded me because I don't know if you guys remember the trailer when it came out. Um, it was really going for that Rocky vibe. Um, and the problem I've always had when any like MMA is ever portrayed or, uh, martial arts that go for that authenticity, it, it just, it, it doesn't work. Right. Um, but everybody loves this film who's seen it. Um, I kind of bought into the Kool-Aid and bought the film, but it just sat there. Uh, and as much as I love Tom Hardy specifically and Joel Edgerton, uh, even Nick Nolte, it, was not one that I pushed to the forefront, but having, you know, the chance to do the podcast and seeing this show up on the list, it was like, okay, well, I know Charlie loves this film because Charlie has talked about it. And I think, Charlie, you're one of the reasons why I bought it. I just never watched it. I probably um, made you spend at least $1,000 that you haven't I, watched it. I know. <laughs> my, my wife is so thankful. <laughs> yeah. um, but, Brad, let's talk about this thing. So when it came out, it... It definitely bombed at the box office, correct? Yeah, so I looked at this. Can you all, like, believe that it only cost them $25 million to make this movie? Like, I was kind of baffled by that. I I'm, thought that I am was shocked at that budget. It seems extremely low. I mean, Tom Hardy wasn't Bane yet, but... Um, he, he had just done Inception, I believe. Inception was wasn't before. a big deal. This is a weird, but, like, financial yeah. setup in general, like... And, you know, fourth bill is Frank Grillo, which 
we'll get to we'll get to him in a little bit. Um, but so the cast not cheap. I don't know what Nick Nolte was paid for this movie, but um, well, remember at this time Nick Nolte wasn't getting work. I mean, he yeah, that's right. was off his rocker, and a lot of people had serious reservations even about hiring him for this film. But uh, it only earns $23.3 million at the box office, so it doesn't even make its initial budget. So you could say it lost probably another like $15 million. Um, so not great. So and don't look for Warrior 2, more <laughs> Warriors or something. I don't know. When, um, when did it come warriors. out? Like, what? It's right there. Yeah. The sequel. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Warriors. Sorry. God. <laughs> uh, so it comes out September of 2011, and... I went back and looked, and I don't know what I was doing. I guess maybe doing podcast stuff, but I saw literally almost everything that came out this month. So you have Contagion, Ooh, which yep. is very, very timely. We, right we now. Did that. <laughs> wow! I, I remember doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Drive comes out that week, uh, that month. Sorry, um, which I love Drive um, with all my heart. Um, Killer Elite. Do y'all remember that movie? Oh, yes, that's a movie. Oh, Jason Statham. Statham. Uh, is that did is De Niro in that? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah okay. I think so, mm-hmm. do you all remember Apollo 18? Yeah, that was a movie too. Yeah, that's exactly. Found footage. Uh, <laughs> great, the, Grave the Encounter. Rock, the Moon Rock yeah. uh, aliens thing. Little alien. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Grave Encounters. I like Grave Encounters, found, but I found don't footage. Yeah. Theaters. Yeah. Um, and then this is a big one. Moneyball comes out September 22nd. Um, Troy, have you seen Moneyball? Yes, love Moneyball. Okay. Yeah. Excellent yeah. film. I, wow, Charlie. Okay. Um, never back down to the beatdown. <laughs> I did that not see theatrical. That's what it says. Continuing okay. Continuing to uh, not back down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> never backing down. Uh, the uh, abduction movie with uh, the guy from Twilight. Oh, t- uh, the oh, werewolf kid, yes. right? Oh my gosh, the Taylor Lautner action vehicle. Oh, yeah, the action right. vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, oh, the I movie was just that. him That's trying to horrible. do parkour and stuff, right? Him Running from people. Remember the Pittsburgh Pirates yeah. game? Isn't uh, Sigourney Weaver in that movie too? I think so. Isn't she yeah. like the big? Um, okay. That's horrible. Um, that thing. Yeah, that's horrible. a bad movie. Horrible. <laughs> uh, the remake of Straw Dogs comes out. Charlie let me borrow that movie one time, and yes, I was Uh Machine Gun Preacher with uh, um, Gerard Butler. I can't believe that. Do y'all remember? Oh wow. Yeah. Um, I totally forgot about that one. This one. So a lot of stuff came out. The, the Bucky Larson movie, which might be one of the worst movies of all time. Is that I the David Spade that. film? No, that's the Nick Swartzen movie. Yeah. Oh. Um, and then, oh, here's a Charlie movie. Jason Siegel stars in the Jeff Who Lives at Home. Um, with uh, I've seen that, but I don't remember a thing about it. Uh, Ed Helms is, I think, the other guy. Yeah. Um, that sounds and right. then the Sorcerer and the White Snake, the Jet Li movie, Troy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, that was limited theatrical. Yeah, and then Dolphin Tale. So Ooh. weird weird releases that month. Um, but you have another sports movie. You have a pretty big blockbuster in Contagion, like a big indie movie in Drive. Um, and I don't know how the horror movies did. Probably not great. So, but there's a lot of stuff that comes out that month. Um, well, I, I gotta say, um, uh, <laughs> when we talk about the cast, Joel Edgerton is in this. Brandon Conlon plays one of the brothers. 
Joel Irish Edgerton. Brandon Conlon, thank yes. you very much. Uh, He's Australian, right, in yes. real life? Yeah. And Joel had an interesting year in 2011. Um, I only saw two of the movies that he put out that year. And the one that I did see, I actually saw with uh, Charlie. My wife and I went out and oh, no. uh, caught this film. Oh, no. Do you remember what the film was, Charlie? Because this is one of my favorite oh, movie-going no. experiences of all time. I forgot and about we this. we saw it in uh, Clarksville, Indiana, outside of Louisville. Oh, no. Uh, what oh, movie at the was Great that, Escape? Charlie? Yeah. Was it the Great... Did you take yeah. it to the Great Escape? The great no. Escape. Okay. Yeah, the Great Escape right there in Clarksville. Yeah. That was the theater. But do you, do you remember this film? Because I, you... You had an and you had an actual mental breakdown yeah, during the film and in the parking lot. Yeah, I had an episode. No. What 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 was it? I, I, I don't know had the a story. Nick Nolte after he falls <laughs> off the wagon. Oh, he did. In the end of the yeah. It was uh, 2011. It was it was the remake of the thing or the the prequel to the prequel. Thing. Oh. Wait, do you guys not like that movie at all? I liked it. Charlie I did it's not. okay. <laughs> really, really, really hated it. Yes. <laughs> I would not mind revisiting it because I probably overreacted. I just hated how they're like, ooh, look, this is that thing from when in the original thing. You remember how they had the axe there? Oh, here's where the axe got there. Ooh, look, this is where they're like. It's just like it smells its own farts for two hours. Yes, and it's okay. It's just an exhausting so, so just, It's just a gazing at its nasal yes. or well, navel? It's so, nasal. So take the last probably 15 seconds of Charlie – Amplify that times like a hundred, <laughs> and that was the reaction to because we saw it on opening because night you watch on a it Friday in real night. Time. Yes, so um, yeah, it was, again, I one of my favorite times experience. going to the film. It was awesome, loved it. But uh, yeah, I mean, let's talk about the cast real quick. Um, at the time, because when you were listing all these films that are coming out in September, the the two main leads of this film, Joel Edgerton, Tom Hardy, none of them were huge box office draws at that time. Would, would you guys agree? Uh, for sure. Yeah. And, what had and Hardy Nick... done? Because I hadn't looked that up. Because I know he had that uh, uh, prison movie that I saw that was... I liked it. Bronson? I Bronson, thank you. Mm-hmm. Is that, I mean, like I don't remember anything else he'd done before this, but I know he was starting to catch on. Yeah. Um, I think Inception was the year before. Um, and yeah, it was he 2010. Had... But he was... He's, he's on player. the periphery of that movie. Yeah. I don't even think he's yeah. like the fourth... Like break. I mean, it's it's that's Leo and Ellen Page. Really, that's only a thing in that movie. Yeah, I'm sure that like Michael Caine is even credited above him. And I remember Tom Berenger more than I remember Tom Hardy in that. Well, so he's not even the most important Tom in that movie. That that's true. And I mean, you know, the year after this, he does what uh, this means: War, Lawless, and then gets sort of the the big notoriety from his role as Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. Joel Edgerton. Of course. (laughs) <laughs> oh Perhaps God. he was wondering why he'd shoot a man before throwing him out of a plane. This is gonna. I can't. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna just take all these snippets of the impressions that you guys do. It's gonna be awesome. Um, and I'm gonna have fun with it. Uh, you thought Joel Troy was your ally. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in it. <laughs> um, God, it derails so quickly when I'm around you guys. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, Joel Edgerton. Um, He's one of those that, man, I I think he's a great actor. He's out there. But has he had anything that has just shot him to the top of the list from a Hollywood standpoint? 
I mean, he's been in he's been in good stuff like no. the thing. I wanted um. to really like it comes at night. I really wanted to like it comes at night, but I couldn't force myself to. Joel Joel Edgerton is a classic floor raiser. That's that's what he is in my opinion. Like he is not someone you need to lead your movie unless you're Odd Life of Timothy Green. But he is someone where you can put him in a role and. The movie's better, no matter almost no matter what, unless it's the thing or Odd Life of Timothy Green, and or Bright. I have not seen that. I refuse to watch it. I won't do that. I, I, yeah, Bright. Um, um that's a whole other topic. Um, but he's I, a see, I did, he makes things yeah. better. I didn't really recognize him as a name or somebody that I liked until Zero Dark Thirty, which I know came oh, out. Yeah, I think I'm after here. this. So. Um, and then of course, is he one uh, of the seals in that? I can't remember. Yeah, he's yeah, actually he's, the, he's like the leader. Yeah, yeah he is he's okay. the team leader. Um, and then Nick Nolte, um, which okay, Charlie, I'm I'm dying. I, we got to hear it, the Nick Nolte impression. God damn it, this is my fault. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch, Moby Dick, I'm gonna cut you down. Damn, that's pretty accurate. Um, you turn the- this ship around. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that one got me. That was good. <laughs> you son of a bitch! You turn Oh my god. Come, come All right, on, I'm gonna mute myself have. for a second. Don't, don't, don't. Can't I just see my granddaughter? She's over here. She doesn't know who the fuck I am, but you know. Oh god. It's, okay, I'm back. It's so worth okay. it. Okay. Um, Brad, what's your favorite Nick Nolte role other than? Charlie's impression of Nick Nolte. Oh God. Um... Go well, ahead, since... Brad. I think that's a good one too. <laughs> I, I'm going with 48 Hours. That's always been my go-to Nick Nolte. I role. was gonna say Blue Chips, to be honest with you. Blue Chips. All right. Yeah. I just he's he's fantastic. In 48 Hours. I mean that the gruff cop. I mean n- nobody did better action what would you you know lethal weapon stuff like that i love it love 48 hours nick nolte eddie murphy it's freaking fantastic and then jennifer morrison don't know much about her outside of the stuff uh that you look on her filmography but you had mentioned frank grillo um he's a fascinating actor uh i think because he's he's always on the peripheral of these great films performer he's he's always on the peripheral of some really cool films um and recently i think what was the was it the wheelman that wheelman i watched that just because he was in it yeah he started it he's one of those uh you know obviously is in the marvel universe um as one of the villains um i you talk about a film that hey he was in this and uh i'm gonna watch that and for me it was beyond skyline so if everybody remembers the Skyline Alien. Film. Yes, if everyone remembers Skyline. <laughs> that one. Started, uh, Donald Faison was in that movie, I believe. Oh, I don't know. I, yeah, it, and that it, guy from it, Texas Chainsaw who Leatherface oh, yeah. was his face, but I can never yeah. remember his name. Yeah, it's uh, but you all of a sudden um, he shows up in the sequel with uh, Iko Uwais from uh, The Raid and I'm in. And that's actually a pretty good film. You guys should check it out. Not not the first one. I, I mean, I don't, I don't even think you need to see the first one to see the second one. But the second one's a lot of fun. But um, Frank Grillo. I mean, what what do you what are you guys thoughts on him? If he was my corner man, I'm fighting anyone and everyone that I have to. So that's all I gotta say. Why is that? Because he like is a great motivator in he this is? movie. 
He's good. I, I He's like Frank Grillo. I like Uh-oh. him. I think this is by far his best performance, and it's not even remotely close. Oh, I, 100%. I, 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 even I, outside of his Purge movies. I love. I think he's excellent as far as a performer. Like I said, and I don't mean but, that as some sort of derogatory statement or anything like that. Some people are performers. Some people are, you know. He is a human being in this movie, though. Yeah, he he is remarkable. Like the authenticity that he brings to this role, the 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 genuine energy that he has as the coach. Like you actually feel like he has a presence and he's important. And there's all sorts of background that you look at um, with regards to who they modeled uh, his character after. And, and the notes that they took and, and how they really worked in. And I mean, I just think he's, his, he's got a life in, in this as Campana that's, that just feels authentic. Whereas everything else he's ever done is not bad. I'm not saying he's bad by any means, but he's definitely like the Statham style. I'm here to, you know, look cool and, and do action scenes, which isn't bad. He's really fun. I love Frank Grill. He's a lot of fun. Purge Anarchy is a blast. Um, and of course, he's excellent as uh, what is it? Crossbones? Is that right? As, yes, Crossbones. Uh, mm-hmm. In uh, in the Captain America movies, he's a lot of fun. Um, but Warrior is just far and away um, his best I, work. I think it's funny you say that, Charlie, because the technical advisor on this film is Greg Jackson. So Greg Jackson and Frank Grillo go back um, because Frank Grillo actually was a trained MMA fighter, mm-hmm. um, has some experience in that, and. For those who don't know Greg Jackson, I mean, he has a lot of notoriety um, for his school, and I think it's in New Mexico, mm-hmm. um, but he trained people like UFC light heavyweight champion John Jones, UFC welterweight champion George St. Pierre, and lightweight heavyweight champion Rashad Evans. His school has a very deep line of winners um, within the UFC. Um, and if you, you know, I got to tell you, when, when we get into this, I don't know how you guys watched it. Uh, the the movie that Charlie um, convinced me to get, obviously I buy it on Blu-ray, and the extras on this thing are just fantastic in terms of special features. And you get a lot of stuff about the behind the scenes, what happened. Um, you know, Frank Grillo, uh, in terms of his authenticity for this role, I mean, he he basically him and um, Joel lived with Greg Jackson for you know a month or two, um, even prior to filming, um, and. You're absolutely right. I mean, Frank Grillo is good in films, but this is as much his film as um, the others that we're going to talk about. Uh, the other people behind the scenes, um, like I said, Greg was the uh, the technical advisor. The fight choreography and the stunt coordinator was J.J. Perry. You guys know much about J.J. Perry? I do not. I'm unfamiliar. He um, has gotten a lot of notoriety uh, just recently for doing the John Wilk film so he did john wick chapter two um, okay. i think he worked on john wick but if you go back and even look at his filmography in terms of the films that he's worked on uh, i mean he did choreography for i don't know if you remember seeing the sylvester stallone film bullet in the head um oh, or bullet to the head and you know whatever you think about that film there is some great choreography between stallone and jason momoa towards the end when they're fighting with axes um, it's a Walter Hill film. Oh, that's um, that. Oh my gosh, yes. I yeah. That. Um, okay. But he's he's also worked on Spy with Melissa McCarthy, The Expendables Three, um, Safe, the Jason Statham film, um, Haywire, which is a oh, fantastic God. movie. Um, Add that to the list, by the way. Did yes. that bomb? I saw that opening oh. weekend. I love that. Yes, movie. it did. Yeah, it bombed. Um, the Rundown with The Rock, he worked on. 
Um, and of course, I, I had to add this one: Roadhouse Two, Last Call. I wanted um, he was to watch also that involved a thousand in that one times, too. and I never could bring myself to do it. Yeah, I, I saw it on sale. I, I bought it. it. I, I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> what are you <laughs> doing with your life, Troy? What are I you doing? I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 a addiction. I don't know what you want to call it. Troy, when are you going to start a, a COVID stimulus based off of your movie package? Soon, Charlie. Soon. Yeah. Um, I'm working with the government right now, so That's fair. You know, we're working on some details. Um, but yeah, it, it, it really had a authentic, uh, intricate cast behind the scenes um, that were working with the actors. Um, and I, the MMA fighters, so Kurt Angle, Eric Apple, Anthony Johnson, Nathan Marquette, they're also in this. So those are the ones that Joel and Tom uh, end up going up against. Um, again, fantastic fighters. We'll talk about those sequences too, but... I don't know, guys. Are, are you ready to just jump into this sucker? I mean, I, I, I think it kind of makes sense that the timing of this film, the lack of, I, I would say, star power. Um, one thing to note, though, is around Academy Award season, even though this came out in September, Nick Nolte did get nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actor in his role. Um, but outside of that, this this film really showed up, went away, fell under the radar, uh, and it it. I don't think it's a lot of um, love in general, so let's talk about it. Um, Charlie, I want to start with you, because this this film, the reason why I own it, is specifically because um, it's it's one of the ones that you continually talk about with me, and uh, I know it's on one of your lists. So, Warrior, what, what are your thoughts on it? I cry a lot. A whole lot. This movie is so it is a emotional powerhouse, um, which is weird to say about a like an, a quote unquote uh, MMA uh, action. I guess I don't even it's more of a drama, but I guess it was you know very much family drama, family drama, uh, <laughs> family drama slash um, political vaguely vaguely political uh with regards to like war and, and and veterans and such and how it's uh handles uh that entire situation uh but it's just an absolute performance powerhouse film i think you know we talk about grillo but everyone is throwing 95 here like it's just ridiculous you you've got Nolte's nominated. Uh, I don't. Really, I, I did not check on who won the support, best supporting that year, but whoever they did won. Uh, they, they did not uh, usurp uh, Nick's impressive performance here. I think that uh, this, to me, is like uh, the pre uh, Mickey Rourke and the Wrestler um, of the kind of redemptive uh, someone that that's trying to make amends. They're coming back trying to fix their world and then of course tom hardy is is firing that was the fighter year by the way so that was uh christian bale oh christian bale okay well damn it yeah yeah all right another great film but you know it's interesting sorry nick nolte didn't lose 60 pounds okay christian bale (laughs) suck one off he's trying to just just goes on a diet go he he goes keto and he wins an award um but with regards to how this thing is is in, is kind of I even think it's forgotten like strongly like it's, it's just totally uh, especially after uh, Creed and, and 
and other films have come out in the sports genre because the sports genre is uh, effectively dead. It really is. I mean, it's not like I mean, movies have changed a lot. In, in well, you in have Kevin O'Connor years. just released a sports movie six months ago. Gavin Way back, O'Connor. yeah, Gavin yeah. O'Connor. Yeah. So the the director sorry, of this. Gavin. Yeah, good point, Brad. The director of this. We we didn't get into this, but um, he does have, I guess, uh, I, I I you wouldn't look at his filmography and say he only does sports films, but he has three to his name, right? He did Miracle. Miracle in 2004 with Kurt Russell. He did this one in 2011. And to your point, just this year, he did The Way Back with Ben Affleck in 2020. Um, Which before I must that, admit, that prob- I mean, that obviously, quote-unquote, bombed purely because it came out literally when COVID lockdowns started. Um, yes. And I was full-on bought into that movie, hook, line, and sinker, obviously a fan of uh, O'Connor's work. Uh once that came out on demand, I literally couldn't do it because I knew what his work entailed and I knew the emotional <laughs> ride I was going to take. And I knew that I did not need some, a little more sadness during COVID. So it's like, you know what? I'm just going to buy this and put this on the back burner like Troy. And then eventually when I'm happy one day, I'll watch it and it'll bring, <laughs> bring me it down, down a little bit. Yeah. It, the only film I'd seen, I think from this director was 2016, the accountant. With Ben Ben Affleck, which I I liked a lot. Um, I think that's a fun action movie. It is, and it, it's uh, I think it did well. I don't have to go. Yeah, the they're making a sequel. Well. Yeah. yeah, but and I and I, I tax day. Yeah, so Brad, Brad, your your thoughts on this one initially? I mean, um, I know when I added this to the list or talked about it, you you were a big fan too. Yeah, but I, this... I don't. I never heard you talk about it probably with the passion that Charlie did. Yeah. Um. So this movie starts off with uh, the National playing yeah. Start a War, and it also starts off with an audiobook of Moby Dick. So right then and there, I'm good to go. It, <laughs> this movie could have stopped right there. Not have been greatest movie ever. Moby Dick's my favorite classical book, and the National is amazing. Um, and once that, the Nationals also are the last song out, and once that song hits, man, it's like, oh yeah. I'm not like Charlie. I don't cry, but boy, this movie, who. Almost got me many times, and You're lucky. that's the thing. That's the thing. So you think a very cliched sports movie about meatheads beating the crap out of each other in an octagon is just going to be some rote sports movie, uh, but that's not the case. This movie is complex and it's powerful, and yeah, it's got its problems. I think when when Charlie says he likes all the performances, I don't like Tom Hardy in this movie at all. I think his performance is weird. I don't understand what he's doing. I know. Stop. Put your put your. I just I don't get for, it. For I those who can't it. see, Charlie's uh, his, chin just dropped to the floor, and I don't. Yeah, I'm like I don't a get his wolf when I see you. Yeah, the thing right he, I think I think Charlie's. Do you need like, a defibrillator? Are you okay? I know. Like so, so he's more like. Eddie Brock in this movie than like anything else. Like once I've seen him in Venom, it's like he's it's like Eddie Brock in this movie. It's really weird. I don't understand. And the whole uh, A Wall subplot, I I don't really think that works. Uh, but I don't really think it matters because um, it's not. I mean, it's not perfect. But I really like this movie. And when I, you know, it's an hour or 140 minutes and like goes and goes and boy, you kind of go on a ride with this thing and it's powerful. Um, 
I won't say anything about where I rank it in sports movies, but um, just yet. I don't want to give anything away, but yeah, I think this movie is fantastic. Um, Troy. Tr- <laughs> so th- this one's a weird one. So <clears throat> I try. I know the show is called Not a Bomb, but I have planted a bomb at the, <laughs> in the event that something goes awry. Just so I understand. Clear. I understand. Um. So uh, to your point, Brad, I mean, by default, it's not 88 minutes. It's it's longer. So it's a good movie, right? Yes. Um, but I can tell you, I'm I'm watching this thing. Uh, and surprisingly, Tabitha, uh, my wife, had seen it before. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'll sit down and watch that. And I, I remember seeing the trailer kind of going back and revisiting again. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm getting that uh, that Rocky-ish vibe to it, right? And even right on the Blu-ray cover, it just says, as powerful and unforgettable as Rocky, um, fiercely moving. And so... I'm, I'm like, okay, well, this this is a Rocky clone, um, and I, I think if you look at the trailer, it it's really tapping into it. But I'm I'm going through this thing, and it had to be about the two hour mark. And in my head, I'm just kind of going, all right, well, we got an underdog story, competition among brothers, training montage, right? So they had to put that in there. Um, alcoholic parent, um, the the wife of a worried athlete, right? You're gonna get hurt. Don't do this. You got the gruff trainer, then you got the unorthodox trainer, um, and those pop up. So, in the you're, all so you're over. saying there's a lot of cliches. Oh, and and what really hit me was um, then they get to the to the Sparta competition. So the whole premise of this film is, you know, um, you're you're following the lives of really these two brothers um, that are one is a teacher and the other one um, you assume has just come from somewhere. Uh, and is, is a bit gruff and ends up with his dad. And they're going down this path where they're going to end up competing for MMA. And in my head, I'm watching this and going, oh, yep, there you go. There's, there's the wife. She's all worried. And, oh, here's our training montage. I get a training montage of both of them. And then when they get to the sports ring and they're – then you get the Russian nemesis that comes out, played by Kurt Angle, and I'm like, oh wow, we just we had to go through all the Rocky movies. That's or what I was just saying. I was like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's like all Ivan's four, brother. All, all four of the Rockies went through the 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 Brundlefly transporter <laughs> and came out. And and that thing in my head where I'm like, wow, did did I just pick the most unoriginal film? <laughs> To, to talk about in um, for a podcast and and then it just kind of hit me so the the movie ends and you know you, you get to that um, sequence of the two brothers coming out of the ring walking down and how it ends um, and and basically in my head I, I, I I'm thinking why well, I just watched the guy's version of the notebook um, <laughs> it, not in terms of plot or anything you know but it, it You've got two characters who are trying to connect and and trying to get together against all odds, um, but they're brothers, right? Instead of Gosling and, and Adams, but it's 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 really the guy version of, of the Notebooks with but with brothers, and and so it's it's the I don't know it's the pure definition of bromance um, through this whole film. Um, and you know, full disclosure, I'm not a fan of the Notebook, <laughs> so. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at this thing and I'm going, it has every movie cliche out there from a sports film or from a, a boxing film. Um, and yet it transcends every single one of those cliches. And I think it has to do with everyone's performance, Hardy included. Sorry, Brad. I don't it, get it. It gives you 
some thrilling, I mean thrilling in the ring action. Now, for anybody who watches MMA, uh, the action in this is not representative of yes, it's it's not what actually happens in an MMA match. <laughs> Um, some of those, bombs, some of those multiple power bombs. Yeah, some of those punches those guys take, their head would fall off. I mean, yes. some of those punches are unbelievable. Yeah, and, and I, MMA, you're not wearing, it's not boxing gloves, people. It's no, no and, you know, just go Google reporters who who interview these guys and go, you know, hey, why don't you kick me with maybe forty percent of power? Um, and and even if they're kicking, you know, your your thigh or something, these guys will fracture your femur with no, not even full force. It's ridiculous. So yes. some of these uppercuts, I was like, okay, yeah, I, you're I dead, mean, you're yeah, dead. That's it. It's one, two, you're gone, right? But I I gotta tell you, I was not expecting with all those cliches, you would get and and not in a heavy-handed way, but I think in a very smart, impactful way. Hey, we're going to talk about themes like forgiveness, redemption, reconciliation within the story arc of the main characters. And when I'm I'm going through all these special features, because I got to tell you, I mean, this is one of the films. As soon as it was over with, and I saw, you know, there's a there's a full documentary. There's all these other things. Oh, I'm I'm right into it, right? Um, and the best thing I heard from Gavin O'Connor when he was talking about this film, he goes, you know, this is intervention in a cage. That that is the plot of the film. It's intervention in a cage, and I don't think you could have more of an accurate statement to describe Warrior than basically saying, okay, this is an intervention between a father and two brothers who are entirely dysfunctional and are carrying all of this baggage, and it basically takes them going through this just very painful journey um, to come to some type of understanding. And it's not a... I don't want to say a Hollywood traditional understanding where everybody's hugging at the end because they're not. And, you know, we can talk about the, the ending, what you guys think of it. But, you know, I, I got to tell you, um, I, I do not consider myself uh, <laughs> one that tears up at, you know, the emotional stuff. But, yeah, I bawled like a baby. It, it was <laughs> nuts. <laughs> so this movie makes two out of three of us cry and I am an emotionless Jerk, so you have no soul, Brad. I think that that's been aware. Pulp fiction killed your soul about I, I agree with that statement. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, let's talk about the let's do talk about the action. I'm, I'm an action junkie, I know you guys are too. Um, it, it is very exaggerated MMA, um, fighting because to your point, you, you're not going to take <laughs> you're not going to take half of these punches, no. um, or lockdowns, etc. That's the biggest point of the film, truthfully. Well, the, the problem is, is it's exaggerated when it needs to be, and then some guys will get knocked out yep. in four seconds. Mm-hmm. And that's there's like this weird disconnect mm-hmm. because you're like, oh, this guy can knock this person out in you know two punches, and then uh, Joel Edgerton is you know Rocky Balboa, like sticking his head out and just getting pummeled. Joel yes. Edgerton and... couldn't spell cat after this movie. So <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Well, it's it's interesting, I guess. Behind the scenes, Joel Edgerton was the athlete of the group, right? And so, Tom Hardy um, had no boxing fighting experience, um, didn't have you that athletic say. build. You wonder yes. why they cut all of his scenes down to half a second. <laughs> well, he's it, not he's not a good fighter. Tom Hardy's not a good fighter. Well, no, yeah, his, he has he has no background in it compared to his like technique Joel is his technique is terrible. His technique well, is but, to glower. <laughs> yes, but I, I do I do think it highlights one of the things in that sport. I mean. It's exaggerated, but what I do like is, 
uh, you know, take somebody who isn't coming at this from probably our experience of just saying, yeah, we dabbled in it. We, we kind of know what's going on or, you know, you watch UFC on a regular basis, but take your average film goer and they're making a movie about the topic. I do think that one thing that they did that was very smart was um, they concentrated on probably two very specific types of styles. So you've got Edgerton, who is the tactician, right? Um, he is the one who's going to take it to the floor, and he's going to be in it for the long haul. And you have Hardy, who's the brawler. Um, and for those of you you know, who get that type of heavyweight in the ring, and they're just going to swing, punch, slam, and wrestle, because Tom Hardy's character, his background was he's a really good wrestle, they keep those two actors to those particular styles, and I think it works. I think it works in terms of take the average layman, and we're going to show you MMA fighting styles, and here you go. Hey, what was their weight class? Does anyone know? <laughs> I don't know. I, because what, there's a, some of these guys were not in the same weight class. No. no. Mid, the guy named Midnight literally probably weighed 275. Yeah. And Joel Anderson is <laughs> lucky if he weighs 175 pounds. And I don't know angle, if anyone knows no it. Way Kurt Angle's less than 260. No. Oh, the thing is, not. is if someone has 100 pounds on you, it's over. It Especially is. in MMA. Out. It's over. It is. So I mean, again, we're nitpicking, and it's fine, but... But it wasn't. Some, it, they sell yeah. it. They sell it. If you if you want to talk about the action choreography specifically, um, and this is where I think J.J. Perry comes in and is a fantastic choreographer. Was You're this handheld? Um, like I believe in ring? some of it I think is. It is. Yes. Some of it stuff yes. is is handheld. Okay. Yeah. And it and it's in there. Um, but it it's fantastic because you're absolutely right. In in a realistic fight, in anything outside of that much of a weight class. And and I know I fought outside my weight class and got my butt handed to me. Um, it, you cannot uh, expect to come out, you know, on top of it. But the way they film it, the way that they do the choreography, and again, all credit to JJ Perry, it it works. I I'm, I'm I bought into it. I was cheering. Yeah, I think eventually you just kind of you either buy in and say, okay, this is the way it's going to be, or you know, or you don't know and you don't care. Um, I mean, again, does it detract from the quality of the movie? No, but it's obviously one of those things that if you really, really think about it, you're there's some holes. But again, again it's, it's I fine. Think the emotion of this is it's so because what Troy just said, like with as far as like cheering, I, I literally caught myself cheering. Like I'm yes. not even kidding. Like actually, like oh, like, like yeah, because we we all miss sports. <laughs> <laughs> wow, touche. We miss sports. Also, also important. Yeah. Uh, um, it, it was it, it's it's incredible the emotional resonance they're able to to generate and again even with having a cursory uh, understanding of of you know combat fighting and, and such and and seeing how you know exaggerated it is it still doesn't make you care less and still engages you and still fully absorbs you within each each fight um, the one thing that I am curious to ask you about specifically uh, Troy is. I never got a great understanding of the time frame of Sparta, but it certainly seems like it all happens over one weekend. And they the say two days. It's two days. It's yep. two yeah. days. So the thought of that many of what three fights? So you have to win four. Oh yes, yeah, so you four. Win. Okay, so yeah. so we have zombies fighting each other. <laughs> yes, in I mean, the yeah. finals. That was my yeah. other thing because I there's forgot a reason, about that. There's a reason why boxers usually fight. Two or three times a year, a year. if that, if yes. that. Yeah. Um. So these guys are fighting. <laughs> In a I weekend. Mean, Joe Edgerton is going the full 
distance and having to come back and do it again. So, your, your comment of him not being able to spell cat is so accurate because, if, again, um, and, and it, here's... It's not enough. Here's, He's a pile Hopefully, of hopefully, <laughs> hopefully is under pro- concussion protocol. Yes. So he ain't going but it, nowhere. But what's amazing form of CTE that's not been not been discovered yet. He's creating his own. But it but it worked. Like I said, I, it works. The it performances, it the emotion. It defies all logic. It you put yeah, it but in fifteen hold. but in fifteen years he's like you know eating his food through a straw. So <laughs> fifteen minutes he's not going to be able to brush he's his teeth. He's not teaching physics anymore. I think <laughs> is he's getting a lesson in physics. <laughs> yeah, I forgot he was a teacher. He's just kidding. yes. Um, and, then, and his character is, is supposedly based on a UFC fighter that was a teacher that fought, um, you know, on the side. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, but, but I, I buy into it, Charlie, you're, you're having a breakdown. You're turning like (laughs) four different colors, man. (laughs) Joel Edgerton post fight, walking into his classroom, trying to write on his chalkboard with a ruler. (laughs) Just, I don't think he'd walk in. I think they would wheel him in. (laughs) Yeah. He's in a chair. In his X Men chair, just Stephen Hawking, just rolled up right to the board. All right, so <clears throat> I got a question. So I, I buy it, right? But the story could, and this is one of the things I thought about afterwards. Could the story, so no. the Nick Nolte, the brothers, everything else, could it work in another sport? Could this oh, film work in baseball? Could it work in basketball, football, anything else? I think it's imperative for this particular story, specifically with regards to the military angle of it, that it is a, uh, a combat and a fighting uh, style uh, setup uh, because it lets you kind of live in the gray area of, of that um, sport a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also uh, it, it allows itself to be like, okay, you, you caught a viral video. The whole story, the whole thing kicks off because there's a viral video of Tom Hardy knocking out one of these top contenders just because he right. happened to get in, in the, the sparring gym. ring mm-hmm. in the gym. And that is believable. Whereas like you could take any other sport on the planet. Like, I mean, when you're talking about basketball, talk about golf, whatever, and you get a viral video of someone like putting, you know, a top player, uh, in like out of totally out of their element and just beating them r- terribly. It's just not as easy to quantify as someone just getting knocked the hell out and just abused in a ring. Um, yeah, so someone crosses over James Harden. It's not that big of a deal. No, it's not. I mean, that happens. That <laughs> happens he can't all play the time. defense. Every every yeah. summer in the Drew League, you look at you got guys doing that. It happens. Yeah. Like so, it's like there's just a there's just a different element to the fact of uh, a combat sport, especially when you like see the best guy. Like, I mean, what would happen right now if like I mean. That we just pick any of the top contenders. If we were like Tyson Fury, that's how I mean, ring. like, yeah, but just... that's how Kimbo Slice came to be. Exactly, he, was, he beat yeah. people up in the backyard and yep. then he became a UFC fighter. He got um, his ass kicked a lot. He, he's a, yeah, he, he was, was a, a very pure good. brawler. He was a brawler, yeah. but you're exactly right, Brad. That's a perfect example. That, that that's that is essential to, to this happening now. Do the, is the continued story possible? No, you cannot convince me that someone who was an undefeated, uh, top-ranked, all-American wrestler um, 
who, well, whose father was his trainer and almost certainly notorious within that. I mean, any any single sports industry, when you have someone that's that good and their trainer's their father, they're also – I mean, it's like – it's not the same, but it's like uh, LeVar Ball. Like – Th- these people become as big of an entity as themselves. And they, uh, there's a sequence when uh, um, Tommy's coming out for the second fight and he's gotten, a f- uh, he's gotten in, a, uh, uh, in a row with uh, Nick Nolte. And mm-hmm. uh, the announcer's like, oh, Tommy's coming out with that as trainer. And I'm like, there's no way you wouldn't know who this guy is, who, <laughs> what his history is. What is this? And then they'd be like, oh, his name is It's Tommy essentially is. the Heart like, Foundation. Like, he was yes, being trained. That's exactly it's the heart what foundation. I was about. It's the Heart Foundation for wrestling. And they're acting like, oh, it's just the trainer. It's that old trainer over there. It's that Mick. No, no. That's not how... This happens in media. I mean, constantly you have people that are, are, are looking to find every angle and turning over every rock and stone. And, and, and this entire story, the way it unfolds within the fight and the way it's like, oh, he's so-and-so. Oh, they're so – like it, it just – that is the one time where it totally stretches the bounds of believability, even for 2011 <laughs> internet. You know, like if you're looking at that era, I mean, like it, it, where it's less uh, uh, entirely so prevalent. Sh- but yeah. when you're talking about a combat sport like that, where wrestling is such an integral part, people would know him and know their family all over. Yeah, I, I'll say this. I, I think if, if you were to take the alcoholic father, all those cliches we talked about, could it could it get, be done in another sport? Absolutely. I, I have no doubt, right? Two brothers competing in another sport, etc. I don't think it would be as good for this story because when I think about that comment of intervention in a cage, um, and, and really you're talking about these three primary people in a dysfunctional family having to figure things out, why I think it works so good in here is martial arts in general is about style, right? And, and it's taking whatever you have internally, trying to express it externally through that form function. And just your example of, you know, Kimbo Slice, stuff like that. You have people coming from the UFC from all different backgrounds, all different styles, all different learnings, techniques, whatever it is. And in a, in a truly competitive area, you never know how it's going to play out, right? Um, and what I what I love about this film is it's their styles that um, how they're fighting in the ring is also how they're tackling life for all intent and purpose, Right. So take Joel Edgerson's character, very, you know, tactician, trying to figure, figure things out, go the distance, et cetera. That's yeah. exactly what he's doing in life, you know. Yeah, bad at with... finances, though, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy, I mean, what this guy's trying to put together, um, keep his house. Uh, it's crazy know. that Brad, the bank, would, Brad, the bank would let him refinance his house twice. In 2000, After before... 2008, and they let yes. him refinance his house twice. Oh, there's no way. There's no way. Is that is that did you really just because all of us have a background working in the financial industry? It's the first thing I thought of. Literally yeah, when I heard that, I I'm like, wait, 2011. Movie. We yes. just got done with the Great Recession. Yes. Yeah. So we're just on. We're like starting to, you know. Noah Emmerich even says there's no shame in it these days as a part yeah. of his plea for them to declare bankruptcy. Oh yes. Everybody, it's kind of like everybody's doing it. <laughs> it's it's. The, the the impetus for this story it is it stands on a really creaky leg. It's just well, it's like, it's all cliches. It's all everything. Yeah. Every every plot point, not so much story, but even every the plot daughter. Point is, even he has a daughter who had to have a heart transplant. There's yes. even that 
plot line. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, it's all plot. Yeah. G subplots, and it's like keeps going. It, it does, but again, I I think the fact that it, they use MMA and this, you know, the style, their fighting styles are reflecting what they're going through in life. I mean, you know, Tom Hardy's character is just really crushing every door he's walking into. I'll tell you what, the line that absolutely gutted me, like uh, it, it didn't bring me to tears, but it was the point where I go, oh my God, how, how could you tell another person that, regardless of what your history and contact was with them, um, and knowing that, okay, you had to take your mom away, et cetera. But when Tom Hardy tells Nick Nolte, the only thing we have in common is that both of us have no use for you. That was a gut punch of a line. And obviously it's the thing that sends him overboard and he falls off the wagon because of that line. But that that's that's an example of how I think they take every freaking cliche that is out there from a sports pers- perspective, cram it into a film, and then they have that kind of dialogue that delivers such an emotional impact. Because these guys aren't just punching in the ring. They're, they're punching each other back and forth every time they engage verbally, right? Well, that one is is the KO. You're hitting on it though, a good point though, because I think the cliches are all in the setup. Mm-hmm. It's all in how things are. It's it's all in how it's built. But uh, you know, you almost think of it as like it's just a it looks like it's going to be one of those cookie cutter films as far as like the way it's built. And then once you get inside, oh, okay, they're really stretching this as far as you can possibly take it. With the performances, with the motivations, with the the reactions to things. Um, yes. I, for me, like the line that gets me is a, a, a when they're talking on the beach. It's the first confrontation between uh, Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton, and uh, Joel Edgerton trying to show the pictures in his wallet. And Tom Hardy looks at him. He's like, uh, "Who are those strangers in your wallet, or whatever? They don't mean nothing." Because I don't know them. Like, I don't know them. Like it's just like such a forceful dis- distancing from your brother's family and just absolute uh, lack of any consideration. But at the same time, you you can obviously tell it's just all intentional. And the more I think about it, the more it feels like this movie is just Tom Hardy pushing people to their breaking point, really. And, and he comes at him. I mean, f- just like he does in the ring where he just gets in there and he starts swinging. It seems like every dialogue he's running into with Nick Nolte or his brother or something, he, he just comes out of that conversation, starts swinging that, And that scene on the beach is fantastic because again, all of their interactions and, and how like did, said, how did they, how did they run into each other? <laughs> how did they run into each other? Someone explain how they, how they ran into each other, how Small they ran beach, into bro. each other. Small yeah. beach. Yeah. Small beach. It's Atlantic city. Yeah, it, it's a small it's, beach. It's, okay, it's small Atlantic City beach. I don't know. <laughs> I just it's, thought it was very, very convenient. It's at the hotel, it's the hotel beach. They're they're quarantined. Okay. 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 It's the bubble. But, Got it. The yeah, bubble. but it, it, again, I'm I don't over. You don't nitpick that thing because as soon as that scene starts, no, they again, go right into it. Right. No, they the scene. Sell it. The scene is you. I. Yeah. You eventually forget, like, oh, how do these two guys run into each other? It doesn't matter because the scene is powerful and it it sets off the next course of action that, you know, really needs to get going. Um, Because at that point in time, you know, they have not talked to each other the whole movie and you're just waiting for this scene to happen. And when it does, it hits you like a ton of bricks now. 
we we all have we have Troy. You have siblings, right? Yes. Okay. And I know Charlie's got like 80. So um, <laughs> <laughs> you do have a big family, Charlie. <laughs> uh, so it's really like when when I see movies where like families don't get together, like it crushes me. It's yeah. so hard to get behind like, like dysfunction in, in family units and stuff like that. And I just I start to feel real bad and guilty. And I'm like, oh, my God. God, these guys. I, I just my, want, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want to call my brothers and just be like, hey man. I wanted to call my dad this entire movie. I, know, I, know. I was like, oh my god, like I just felt so bad for. Yeah, Nick it's Nolte. it's it's tough. Like just watching things where families don't get along and and struggle, and you know, obviously there's no mom in this picture because she passed away, and that's kind of the is that's the crux of their whole dysfunction right so tom hardy went with the mother right well the dysfunction is that nick nolte was a drunk and beat them and their mother yeah and then eventually the mother was like i'm out so she left and and joel Joel edgerton stayed stayed with the with tess right stay with the girlfriend that he had when he was 16 yeah becomes his wife and also because he he Comes across. How's he? How's he graduate college? When's, where's all this time where he graduates college and becomes an MMA fighter? All this stuff. It just. Uh-uh, it's fine. It's fine. It's it's, it's, uh, it's interesting because I do think he has a great line where he says, you know, one of the reasons I stayed is I thought I'd get my you to myself. Talking to Nick Nolte with regards to you know his uh, father-son relationship, which I thought was really interesting as well because he's the older child, like. He, it's mm-hmm. you know that's I don't feel like you get that very often as far as uh, real life or in movies where you have the older child is the one that's like you neglected me like uh, Tommy was the prodigy and the one that you spent the time with and and who wanted to beat some Greek god's record and you just didn't even give a shit about me whereas uh, that's kind of how uh, his, his riff with Tommy starts because he wants to hang around uh, his dad but also his girlfriend. Yeah, it's it's authentic. Everything about I mean, my dad, he he's no longer around, but he dealt with alcoholism. Um they had some very rough times. Uh my mom was the glue of the family. Um I have a sister. Do we talk all the time? No. I, I mean, we're not, you know, <laughs> we're not this level. We get along great. We still talk. Love her kids. Um, but what I think this movie does is, is you guys are right. I mean, you, you go through this film, you watch these characters interact and anything that might be slightly on the hint of what was the last thing I said to my dad or what was the last thing I said to my brother or sister or something of that nature. And, and if it just barely goes on the negative side, this movie kind of makes you dude. you should reach out right now (laughs) and talk to him. Um, and that's what I love about this film. I mean, um, obviously Nick Nolte, this, this role was written for him specifically. So the screenwriter Gavin said, we, we are doing this specifically for Nick. The other role they specifically wrote was for Frank, um, Grillo. So those two, they had nobody else that they were, they were, you know, trying to get to do those roles in the film. And I got to say, um, you know, 48 Hours is probably my Nick, my favorite Nick Nolte film, but this is one of my favorite Nick Nolte roles, um, only because I, I would say the best compliment I can give Nick Nolte is the pain and anguish and watching him recover are elements of what I saw my dad go through, um, and it it sold me like it was so believable. 
is fantastic. Yeah, this Incredible. is his best role. This yeah. is his best role. Like, I, yeah, it's you know it's what? powerful can... and it's when he is relapsing in that hotel. Yeah. That is one of the most gut wrenching scenes in the movie I think I've seen in a long time because you know he's on a because <laughs> he's on you know he's talking about a thousand days he's over a thousand yeah. days and you know how much pride he takes into that and his son pushes him to the point where he's like you know a thousand days whatever I'm gonna you know so jump on or off the wagon I never get it right it's like Seinfeld off I don't know wagon. which one off so he's off the wagon. So but, so let's talk about this because I want to ask you guys about the ending. The ending I find very nuanced because to your point, Brad, he, he gets that line um, from his son and basically says, you know, the only thing that me and my brother have in common is we have no need for you. He falls off the wagon, goes through that gut-wrenching emotional performance. Tom Hardy kind of comes around and finally takes care of him. And that is the last time that those two are seen together for the rest of the film. And then the rest of the film is really about the reconciliation between the two brothers, right? So um, from that perspective, you get, um, how do I say it? Like you get this ending that Tom Hardy really has to lose. He, he has to lose, Um and that's the only way that he's going to be saved. But at the, as those two brothers are coming together, and, and if it's intervention in a cage, Nick Nolte is no part of that whatsoever. It's not the father coming together with the two brothers and there's some type of reconciliation. This film ends with no really reconciliation between the brothers and the father. Well... So, uh, my, so I took it one way. So going into the last round, Tom Hardy's shoulder is all busted up. It's been taken yeah. out of place. And there's a moment where Joe Edgerton does not want to fight any longer because he knows he's basically won and he's beating up a wounded duck. Yep. Um, he looks over and Nick Nolte kind of gives him like the okay to keep going. Um, I must have missed that. Which... He, he kind of gives him a look like, like, okay, like sweep I'm gonna, the leg. Yeah, sweep the leg, Johnny. And see, I, I thought he, was, I thought he was looking at his wife. He does, but Nick Dolte's there too, and he sees him, and it's like then he continues to keep going. So I don't know if he was looking for like, no, it's okay, you can take him out. So or maybe I'm misremembering, but I, I thought it was odd that like all of a sudden he's looking for his father's approval. To beat up his older brother or younger brother, so he needed Roger Dorn to tell him to strike this motherfucker out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, that, but still, the way it ends, those two are walking out of the cage. He's holding Tom Hardy, right? He beats mm. him. They're walking away. Nick Nolte's off to the side, just watching, right? So <laughs> I'm sure he takes some type of pride in terms of those two have had some type of reconciliation. But where I think this movie, um, again, is so super smart, is that that reconciliation doesn't automatically happen between all three. That Nick Nolte, because of all the things that he's done to that family and the damage he's called, etc., he's not coming back in and swooping in and seeing the grandkids and everything else, right? No, he's not getting the invite to Thanksgiving. Well, no, those, 
that's where I think that, that the whole reconciliation kind of comes from. Now, it's way earlier, but the only thing that Brand, the last thing Brandon ever says to, uh, or, or Joel Edgerton ever says to Nick Nolte, is basically like, uh, I accept your apology, you're not welcome here, and then like doesn't allow him in his house. Because when the, even at the fight, uh, Nick Nolte looks at him multiple times and says, go get him, Brendan, like, you know, go get him. But, you know, he never responds. Go yeah, get him. exactly. You can, you can do it. There's um, still that wall. There, there's still yeah. that, you know, barrier between them. So, they, I mean, the two instances where Nick Nolte really has a last last interaction with his two sons are being uh, dis, or, or kept away from his one son's family, home, and life entirely, deliberately, upon asking for forgiveness and acceptance. And the other one is when he's literally told that he is nothing, he is the lowest form of the low, and it forces him into a, a relapse. So he's basically, you know, brought down as low as you can get from a perspective as a father and, 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 a, and a coach and a trainer and all that respect and in both instances. So he kind of, I think the... The thrust for them is that they both kind of are able to lay him low and almost <laughs> let him feel how they felt for the majority of their lives, so to speak. I, I, it's my, I guess, my interpretation of it. And whereas, you know, they have to reconcile their own differences and why they went the paths they took um, to come together towards the end, uh, you know, as brothers. Uh, yeah, and, and I think Nolte gets some peace out of it. I mean, he's watching yeah. these two come together. Yeah. It's, it's not a downer ending. Don't get me wrong. It's a very I, I I don't even know how I would say it, but it's a very nuanced happy. It's ending, interpretive right? almost. Like you can yes. almost kind of go with how you want to kind of perceive it and enjoy it. I hate the AWOL stuff. I really do. I'm sorry. I hate because this he stuff. wouldn't have been able to fight the last. No, fight. they wouldn't let him. They wouldn't let him fight. Like if you if they know it's that all of a sudden hysterical. They're like when okay. they say after the fight. No. no. JJ whatever does not whatever that guy's name was doesn't have an extra five. You are court martialed. That doesn't mean <laughs> just they're not letting Bo Bergdahl run up and fight another no. MMA bout. No, <laughs> I just I just feel like that's that's a weird subplot. It it kind of doesn't work for me because um, it's very half baked. You know, he has the phone call with the wife, and then somehow she gets an interview and talks about how you know friendly fire killed her husband, and then. Don Lemon uh, was all over that, okay? Yeah, I know. And then he, like, walks out, so he's AWOL, and so I, I just, I don't know. It, it was just one too many things to kind of keep track of, and I don't think that one was really needed. Like, why not just let him be a, a war hero, and that's that? Like, a reluctant hero, it's fine. Because I, I, don't, I don't think, like, part of Tom Hardy's... Tom Hardy's a broke person. He's broke. Um, and one of the things that makes him a broke person is the simple fact that he's also a coward. He he is dealing with the fact that Friendly Fire lost his lost one of his best friends. Um, he his answer to all of that, all of that confusion and all of that, you know, um, war hysteria is I'm going to leave. I can't do it anymore. He's a broke person. Um, and I, I do think how they handled it is a little bit half-baked, but I think it's, I think it's integral to understand who he is going into the ring and, and what makes him so angry and what makes him so broke is that 
every part of his life. I mean, the thing that he loved the most, um, which might have been the one family he had. I mean, think of it this way. This guy comes from a broken family. His father's an alcoholic, um, is only interested in probably his wrestling career. Outside of that, he's beaten his mom. So the mom's like, I'm out, right? Watches his mom dies. He, he doesn't have any connection to his brother, has no connection to his father. The one connection he has is to the military, and those are now his brothers, right? So that whole sequence where the wife says, well, he is always the brother that my husband never had. It's that whole brotherhood. And I think even Tom Hardy mentions that where he says, oh, were you in the Marine Corps? Oh, you're not my brother then. No. To have that institution, that family institution, kill your brother and fire on you, that breaks him. So I, I do think it's a betrayal it's of the second family. Yes, and, and it's very crucial for his character development and his story arc to kind of say at every turn that Tom Hardy has gone to through life, um, how you said it, Charlie, it's a betrayal. Everybody has betrayed him, um, and he has to go through this this whole story arc to eventually lose to his older brother and kind of concede that, you know, that there is some hope and there is a relationship there. And there is forgiveness there, right? Um, but I, while it's handled probably not in the best, even even for what a two almost a two and a half hour movie, there's a lot in here. I don't I don't think you can remove that. Like I, it's I actually clunky, think that's but it, yeah yeah it's very important to to that character. Yeah, I just don't think it works. I I just think it. Well, you don't like maybe, Tom Hardy in here, so what? You yeah, know, yeah I'm with Charlie on this one. Misfit toys over there, okay. <laughs> You're you're a water gun that squirts jelly, okay, Brad? You could just <laughs> as a virtual high five for that one, Charlie. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so I have a final question. Okay. Where do we rank this in sports movie? Like, where's it go? <clears throat> because I think the best sports movies focus less on the sport. The sport, yeah. And it more on the characters, and this gets that right. Um, where the where the sport act or the activity is on the periphery and they just happen to, you know, well, I guess major league is like all about baseball. Well, and that's it's, pretty it's good. a challenging mix because I think it's both complicated, complex and simple. If that makes any sense at all. Like that one more time. I, I, like, I, I complicated, complex and simple all at the same time. I really okay. do. I think that it's it's got a lot of different story elements. Like we talked about, they have like an A story, B story. Like it almost feels like a, a whole season of television where they're like, you know, dropping in. Uh, oh, this is the story this week, the main story. But oh, also, guess what? These are our, our gang of friends. are also going to carve a pumpkin. But like, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I think I, I, I watched know, the wrong movie. <laughs> where did we go? <laughs> um, are we watching Trick or Treat? <laughs> but, but my my point is the 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 meat and the story of the movie is like we said you know it's the redemption it's the it's the characters here uh, coming together uh, through adversity and, and just and overcoming now you can even look and again uh, do, I know we briefly touched on it did have either of you seen the way back yet no no well I presume both of you have seen miracle yes no. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, well, I'll, I'll say this after this film, you're going to go um, watch Miracle. I'm going to watch Miracle. Kurt and Russell. I will definitely Kurt watch Russell, the way back. Kurt Russell. 
I know, but I mean, if, let's face it. If it's like, hey, you're gonna watch a Kurt Russell movie, uh, yeah, Big Trouble in Little China. Little China. Guess what? I want to see the 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 veins popping out of your body when Kurt Russell looks into that camera and says, "Who do you play for?" Yeah, <laughs> that's what I want to. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be running circles around your house next to, when, as soon as you put Miracle on, buddy. Okay. Um, no, but I think that even you can even look in Gavin O'Connor's own oeuvre of, of, of sports films, and he's just got just aces. I mean, the guy's just is on fire but you know it's hard i i would even it's hard to put it even in a combat film like so to speak uh tier uh because i think i would you consider this or creed i mean just of recent films uh of that ilk um, Ooh, that's it's, a, that's it's, a tough one i like tough. michael b jordan a lot i'd watch him watch paint dry i mm. i i think that i like I cheered at Warrior. Like, I really do. I, che- I actively cheered and I cry. Like, it just yeah. does. But I also think that there is a um, so there is a more interpretive element to this film and a more uh, nuanced element to it that makes it less uh, accessible than some other sports films. Well, obviously. Which, <laughs> which may or may not be. Yeah, well, yeah, no shit. Yeah, it's on this, it's on this podcast. But uh, I also think that makes it harder to... Um, to gauge against the, the standard fare. The, the only reason I ask is I went out to, because I put this in like, like my very top of like sports movies of all time. And I went, was like, Hey, where do people rank this? And like, there's this list of like 50 sports movies. This isn't on it. Yeah. Really? Not on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that shocks me. Yeah. I, I, I think this is one of the best sports movies of the last 15 years. I, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I think of so Creed gives me an emotional um, reaction from the line where he's basically saying he wants to, um, you know, he's going through all this because he wants to know that he's not a mistake, right? So to your point, there, there's always the drama and it's the story that elevates this and makes the best sports movie rather than just concentrating on the sport. Yeah, but I think sometimes Creed plays a little bit too much on nostalgia, just a little bit. It, it does, but I mean, Creed has the cinematography going for it um, that I, I think this one has good cinematography, but nothing as memorable as the way they film some of the things going on in Creed. Um, but I, I, I would, if you were to ask me, well, what's a better film? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I couldn't pick this over Creed because I think they're too different. Creed is is very much focused on a particular character with a nostalgia factor. Um, Warrior, I feel, has has heavier drama elements than Creed, um, and it just happens to kind of have a sports movie cliche framed all around all the drama, right? But I, I I'm shocked that it isn't in the top ten of sports films. That that blows my mind. September 2011 is the greatest month in sports movies of all time. I'll just go ahead and say that. This in Moneyball. Yeah, I love Moneyball. So, I think, yeah, they came out in like two weeks of each other. So, I think that right there might cement it as the best sports movie month of all time. So Of all time. Yeah. That'd be a good huh. uh, good uh, re- like thing to try and review. But, uh, I mean, Warrior for me, I think I got to put it. Towards the top, I, it's hard to square away, and you always kind of look at a historical relevance as far as, you know, uh, we talked about Rocky already. I mean, I think this is, like, 
vastly superior to Rocky, in my opinion, even though I love Rocky. But Rocky's also a product of its time and also set the standard for all these things. So can you realistically go, okay, is this better or worse, so to speak? Um, I think the performances in this and the, and the overall action, the whole package is just phenomenal. So I would rank it higher than a lot of the cliche-ridden films of the past um, that we kind of go to a lot as far as like best mm-hmm. sports movies. Um, but there are ones like I think Brad mentioned, like you know, Moneyball and Major League are both sports movies that do things very differently, but are incredibly well-made, incredible films that have stood the test of time in part because they do things a little bit differently. Whereas this is leaning into every possible cliche. Like I said, it's a, it's a blender Rocky with MMA. Um, and And that, you know, and that's what I was afraid of is that when I sit back and look at all the cliches, what I think is interesting is all the other sports movies that are still going to come out, right. They're, they're going to have some element that warrior is going to touch on, but this film is going to be infinitely better because it takes the cliches and it transcends them, right? It concentrates on these three characters and that relationship, and it basically takes you through that dramatic roller coaster of how are you going to get to forgiveness and redemption um, between you know two brothers and a father. That's what the movie's about, um, and that's why it's it's better than all the other sports films that are going to take elements of this and just concentrate on it. And again, because the performances at every single spot are just so high. The um, Jennifer Morrison playing uh, Joel Edgerton's wife is incredible. The the amount yes. of tension. I, I don't want to leave her untold because I think she's magnificent. Is because she, she gets the tough role of the standard um, war war wife. wife. You know, yeah, she's yeah. the the Adrian of this, where where she's the you know you, you're gonna you can't win. You know, it's like she's literally watching Koba on TV. Like, oh great, now my my husband's gonna fight a buzzsaw, and the <laughs> way she is able to bring so much authenticity when he goes to fight he doesn't do it with her and it's awesome because she's like no just she just stands up for herself just flat out tells him no i'm not going to sit here and watch you die like i'm not going to do i'm not you're going to do that go ahead but then when it comes down when push comes to shove she's staring at the phone all night long waiting for the text and then when it ends up you know rubber meets the road and he's won a match she shows up so charlie admit it when the text comes through and it says i won you you had a little tear, didn't you? Oh, I <laughs> cried for seventy four percent of this movie. <laughs> wow! It's just a waterworks factory. And then when when the national kicks on uh, to close it out, about to, was it about today? Is that right? Yeah, about yeah. today. Um, it's just tears for seven minutes. It's just. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, it's the guy's version of the Notebook all through yeah. and through, man. <laughs> He's, he's, the, I'm sorry, Tommy. I'm sorry. Is just, I'm just, yeah, it's, you can call me guys version of the notebook and they're both dying together in the bed as they hold hands. Um, that's fine. You, you know, that's fine. It's not over. It's never over. And, and, and these two brothers were just wrestling through it and it was just making me cry the whole time. <laughs> so that's are awesome. we, so Troy, are, are we all going to turn our key at the same time and, and, and declare this what I think we're going to declare. I, I think so. Is it time? Is it time to call it? Yeah. Are we all, all right. We're all turning our key, right? We're all. We're, we're, I'm ready. Okay. Go ahead. Not a bomb. Yeah. Not a bomb. Absolutely not a bomb. Not even close to a bomb. 
Yeah. Not even close. So everybody, if 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 you're not playing along, if you're just listening, um, and you haven't caught this film, or heck, if if you saw it in 2011, it's been a long time. Please go and revisit this thing. It is revisited. I did. I cried again. I cheered. <laughs> But you're a tender guy, Charlie. I am. I mean, it's not. It's not wrong. I cry at Wally, so I mean, I can't say no. What's... Yeah, well, that's what we love about you, man. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so, um, Brad. Yes. Uh, before we leave, since we didn't start with this topic, but I did want to bring it up because I wanted to ask you guys: as as soon as I heard this news, um, I immediately wanted to talk to you guys about this in text, but I knew we were going to be talking this evening. So there was some sad news um, and it happened to do with what I think is uh, just a great character actor. um, But somebody who is just, when, when you talk about the films that we talk about and, and he's actually Remo Williams. (laughs) Yeah. Remo Williams. He's, he's been, um, uh, you know, the topic of one of the films. Um, Wilford Brimley passed away. That's crazy. He's I, I got to ask 85 you. Eighty-five for forty years. I know. Um, for for a while there, from the eighties till now, I don't think he ever aged. But um, I, I got to ask him. There's a Twitter handle dedicated to whether or not and when an, when an actor ages over the age that Wilford Brimley was in Cocoon, because of how <laughs> old he looks in Cocoon. That was yeah thirty years ago. Well, when we we talked Remo Williams and and he's in there, you know, that's mid '80s. We're looking at that like he looks today like he did back then in mid '80s. But I gotta ask you guys, like, what what was your favorite Wilford Brimley the um, thing. film? The thing. The Is thing. it the thing? The yeah, thing. that's mine too. The thing. The thing. That's when I discovered. That's I mean, the I, right answer. That's the right thing. answer. <laughs> loved him in Remo. Loved him in Hard Target. I mean, I I, I like that stuff. But Cocoon, he was great in. But yeah, the thing, just absolutely. A fantastic performance and um man that, that was sad because i always thought like if wilford brimley's around 2020 just sucks in general <laughs> they took wilford brimley man Duh. all right well look on to more happy thoughts brad next week um is an odd number um for the podcast which means you get to pick and um we've, we've actually gotten a pretty big list uh and you have you made a decision because we were going back and forth on like several of them and and you were really iffy but i didn't know if you kind of came to a conclusion on one yes so we're going with the 2010 i think it's a romantic action comedy uh written and directed by edgar wright scott pilgrim versus the world Ooh, that is uh that's gonna be fun i know your son is uh Loves that movie, so... My son loves it. Um, what's funny uh, is it's a film, and Charlie, I'd, I'd like to hear your opinion real quick. It, it's a divisive one. Would you agree with that? Like, you don't... Either people just don't like it, or they love it. Um, it's not universally accepted. Yeah, see right there. Yeah. I think I saw I, this in the theater with you, Charlie. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, and I love, and Brad and Troy, you both know. I mean, I have. You love Edgar Wright. I, I love oh, yeah. Edgar Wright. I have every single copy. I have every poster for Hot Fuzz is probably my second favorite movie ever. Uh, I love Edgar Wright. I cannot stand Scott Pilgrim. It just can't Whoa. do. It. I don't. It just doesn't work for me. Ne- next week should be interesting. Um, yeah. Now we we went ahead and. Um, 
it's based on a graphic novel, right? So we thought, hey, let's find somebody who loves comics and is sort of a comic expert. And lo and behold, he's actually been on the show before. So, Brad, we're going to have John back for this one, right? That is correct. Yeah, so John was on the episode for Remo Williams where um, we kind of ganged up on Brad for a little bit <laughs> and uh, expressed our love for Remo. So next week, John's going to come back and help us out with Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Brad, you want to go through um, all the details? I the... do. Actually, first, I want to say that you and I have started doing a thing called, we call Ranking of Bombs. Oh, yes. We, uh, yeah. we take all the movies that we've done so far and we've ranked them. So we have to... We'll go ahead and say the list now, and we can add where we think Warrior goes. So right now, our mm-hmm. list is Dread, Attack the Block, Children of Men. Uh, number four would be Remo Williams. Yes. Five would be The Hunted. Six is Coneheads, and seven is Last Action Hero. I know where I want to put Warrior. I'm going to ask Why you. Why is Last Action Hero so low? I have. Ugh. Have you seen it lately? Yes, yeah, I did, love that. It movie. didn't okay. age well. Okay. It didn't age well. <laughs> I know. Disagree. Um, I know where I want to put Warrior, um, but I want to hear your take first. um, I would put Warrior at number two. I would put it by far the number one film. Really? Yes. Not even Uh, close. Not even close. Really? Not even close. Yeah. um, I still... Yeah. It's tough. I mean, when you get to the top three or four, but I, I don't know. I really love Dread. I really love it. Um. Warrior affects me way more than Dread ever did. Like, I will remember Warrior much more than I will Dread, just by the way right, it made uh, me feel. Put it one. Okay. I'm with Number you. Number one. You're right. Warrior okay. takes the top spot. Okay, so now we have our top eight. Um, so our Twitter handle is um, at um, notabombpod.com. Email is notabombpod at gmail.com. Website is notabombpodcast at g.com. Uh, um, let's see. What else? We have some merch. I've seen some merch out in the wild, which is crazy. Yeah. That was awesome. I've got stickers. Charlie, I can send you a sticker. Yeah. They're one. cool stickers. Yeah. yeah. I put them on my laptop. Yeah. Um. So... Charlie, um, I know you're going to come back again, especially for Stardust, which yes. that one's already been reserved for you. But I got to thank you, man. Um, you are, and for you know those who don't know, the, the three of us have uh, known each other for a while, and we consistently, there's not a day or two that goes by that we're not texting something to each other. Um, and obviously our families get together. Uh, but most of our conversations about movies, but I, but I got to say most of my collection, especially <laughs> has been influenced by, Hey, have you seen this? No, you have to see this. Um, and it has been an absolute joy to kind of get you back on. And the three of us just, you know, start talking about films. Cause I think, uh, of all the people that you, you talk with about movies, you're the one that brings like everything to the table. It, you bring the funny stuff, you bring the deep analysis, um, and you're you're just an absolute joy to talk movies with. I'm I'm so happy you came on board. Oh, yeah, I agree, so man. I, I I enjoy having you around and having you as a friend and being able to, uh, like I said, we've been friends for like 12 years now, and God, that's like a third of my life. So, getting old. 
<laughs> the next time you come on, though, Charlie, you have to tell the Van Helsing story because every time I hear someone say something about Van Helsing, I always think of you. So the next time you come on, we want to hear the Van Helsing story. It's not. Yeah, the, I don't. It's, the, it is a great story. No, the best thing it. about Charlie is um, every, <laughs> especially at these film conventions and everything else, um, and going to movies because we all for a short period of time kind of lived uh, in the same area. But I, we could probably just every time Charlie comes on, go Charlie. We need you to talk about this story. Like we could talk about the night that um, Ogre oh, <laughs> from no. Revenge of the Nerds no. accosted us and and yeah uh, had us drinking till three or four a.m. So um, in in a in a AC less uh, hotel that was a hundred and five degrees. Yes. Oh my God. That's. <laughs> But you you have so many good stories, um, and and as as just awesome as your Nick Nolte impression is, I know you've got tons more. So to give everybody a little taste of how uh, awesome it is to be Charlie's friend, Brad and I had the the honor to participate in his wedding um, to his lovely wife, and for the bachelor party in Indianapolis, Charlie decided that um, everybody had to dress up as characters from his favorite film. And then we would go to a basketball game and hit the bars and everything else. And it was Halloween weekend. Um, so, Halloween Charlie, what's night. your favorite? Yeah, Halloween night, yes. What's your favorite film, Charlie? Jurassic Park. Yes. So, all of us. God, had it was to pick daylight the... savings, too. So, not only. I remember <laughs> 2 o'clock, and then it went back to 1 o'clock. And I'm yeah. like, oh, no. My <laughs> liver couldn't handle it, man. <laughs> but all of us uh, dressed up as characters from Jurassic Park, complete with somebody coming as a dinosaur. Um, and I, I can't remember, it might've been two or something in the morning at some bar. We, we won a costume contest. Yes. I won a costume contest at the wild beaver. So <laughs> yes. Um, and, uh, won a hundred dollars, which I bar tab, right? Uh, we spent a hundred dollars immediately. <laughs> after. Yes. Um, I Even got before the contest started in cash and I went to the bar and spent a hundred dollars in cash. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if I've really drank much since then. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of gave it up after that. <laughs> like, I, I don't remember the weeks after that. I, that hangover went on for so long, but it was fun. So I, I do want to just say one quick story. This is my favorite uh, movie-going experience with Charlie that I ever had. So we went to this podunk uh, movie convention. It was called the Derby City Movie Fest. Wasn't it something like that, Charlie? Which I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. So it was like just you and me and like oh, there was literally yeah. like tw- – Oh, my. So there the was Clifton, like – The Clifton movie. Yes. Yes. So Holy hell. We went to this movie festival because, you know, we're, we were just looking for something movie-wise to do. And we're screening this movie that is sub-level like student film and – it's literally like three minutes in and the director and like the whole cast is sitting behind us. The director, his in-laws, the the whole family, the cast, the crew, the catering staff. So Charlie Charlie stands up and of course, you know, Charlie stands up. It's like, and he goes, nope, and just walks out. (laughs) And so I have to like get up and do the same and I'm like, sorry guys. And we just leave it's i like, believe that movie was called dark target if it, it was called service. dark target yes um, sorry sorry for everyone involved in dark target oh man 
No, that's, I want that's those three minutes back. <laughs> that's the best thing about you, Charlie, is that um, any time hanging out with you is uh, a memorable experience, man. And and I cannot wait for you to come back on and we can share some more. So you're you're definitely coming. And for those that we we've, we've kind of hinted about doing um, movie matchup every once in a while. When we do find time to do the next one, Charlie is coming back, and um, we're definitely kind of kicking that off. So, um, with that, Charlie, anything you want to add before we sign off, man? Watch Warrior. It's really great. I think that I think you all would uh, really enjoy it. Like I said, it's a it's a bit emotional. It's a bit sad um, in some respects. So maybe not the exact time frame to do it, but just buy it. Go ahead and buy that sucker. It's worthwhile. Um, I've only seen it a handful of times. But rewatching it this time was a ton of fun. Uh, it's an engaging movie. It's an uplifting movie. Um, I had a blast. I loved it. I'm so thankful you guys brought me on. I'm so thankful I got to rewatch this again. I appreciate giving them the reason. You were the only one we were going to have on for this one. So if you couldn't make it, we were going to put this one down the road because we weren't talking about this film without you, man. So. Hey, it's a classic, and I appreciate it. Awesome. Brad? I got nothing. <laughs> okay well i'm just gonna say ditto charlie pretty much summed it up and um, for everybody else if you're playing along next week scott pilgrim versus the world let us know what you think about it um and uh with that i wish everybody a good night